You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at one of us.net at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two, five, ten, or twenty-five dollars and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series, which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today, and join in the fun now, because Delicious Volume 2, Yum Yum Yum, is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. This year at Oscar season, there certainly are a lot of love letters to film. I mean, that's not uncommon for Oscar season, right? Not at all, not at all. But I would feel like uh, Damien Chazelle's Babylon, while certainly in its way a love letter to cinema, is the poison pen love letter to cinema. It is the biggest (laughs) fuck you love letter slash hate letter. It's a breakup letter, to be honest with you. It's a breakup, that's exactly what (laughs) it is. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not gonna make not make any films out yeah that's true but i mean it's possible it's a mash letter to that really toxic crazy chick that you know but the sex is so good you keep going back even though you know (laughs) this is a horrible relationship that'll end in tragedy this is okay so i can't help it because i've been doing this for so long of thinking about as i'm watching new films what i would compare them to what i feel like they're borrowing from and His film is decidedly wants you to think of that as it goes along. There's lots of so on the nose that they just literally show you clips from the films that he's referencing at points. You mean like Avatar? <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's there too. But I mean, the most, Spoiler. the most obvious is Singing in the Rain, which uh, as you're watching it, there'll be a point before they even flat out show you people singing, singing in the rain. You're like, this is kind of like a really fucked up, like sallow hundred days of sol- uh, of Sodom version of, of singing in the rain. <laughs> yeah, it, Pasolini singing in the rain. But it actually has it. shit in the movie too. But I did I, every 10 yeah. minutes. I was like, Okay, now it's this crossed with this crossed with this. And I went from Moulin Rouge to Monty Python and the Holy Grail to uh, Mulholland Drive, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. And, you know, I mean, all these things I'm like, oh, he's born. And by the end, I'm like, yeah, he kind of wanted you to do that, I think. Mm. But ultimately, he wanted you to go, you know, you guys sitting there in the theater enjoying this film. You know how many people's lives were destroyed to make you this entertainment you <laughs> Not love? Not nearly enough. <laughs> Not nearly enough. Yes, but 
You're welcome. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So talk about Babylon here, which is a film about Hollywood, which takes place in the 20s and 30s. Uh, we've got a crew here, people who uh, have a lot of things to say about film in general. And I suspect about this film specifically, I've got. Uh, this is my first time ever reviewing anything. Right. <laughs> oh, really? Finally, I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this is the first actual movie oh, that, he's that, ever seen. Be that, nice. That is actually, damn it, that, Hollywood that, is already ripping my that heart is, out. That is a payback for every age joke you've given to Chris. <laughs> Look, I don't make fun of, you know, 182-year-olds, okay? All the time. He only points out they're 182. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to lie. <laughs> and we've got... Frank Babylon. I had to do that. I just think about that every time I think is about that a this song? movie. Yeah, it's it's from that. It's, it's a song I've heard it before. Oh, are you <laughs> just made music. Yeah, no, it's no, it's called no, it's, it's, no it's, that's, yeah, Babylon. It, it goes like Babylon, Not Babylon, Babylon. Isn't it Babylon? No, no. Oh, no, it's Babylon. I was confused that this wasn't, like, set in a space station on the fringes yeah, of space with, yeah. like, uh, with Zathras. No, no, no. You see, that, this is the Babylon 5 prequel. We just got to get through four more of these. Oh, oh, exactly. it's, it's James Cameron's on the roll, though. Also, the one guy who actually recognized my references here, the other guy who's only 149. <laughs> Uh, it's me, Marco. S- such a baby. The second oldest guy in the room. <laughs> Sprightly young thing, Marco. Uh, yeah. That's, that, <laughs> let's go with that. So it's hard to describe this film as having a plot. It has characters with arcs, but a plot feels strong. A plot is not the way to describe this movie <laughs> no, it's at not, all. It's like, I, it really starts like, like, like I said, like Pasolini's Salo doing Moulin Rouge, like the first 20, 30 minutes is basically that. And the next 20, 30 minutes is kind of the, the like Monty Python and the Holy Grail if it was about filmmaking in the 20s. It's not, it's, yeah. it's, 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 just, it's just a log line. It's just a log line that's expanded. And yeah. like, even like we're looking, you know, if you just read like the, the plot synopsis, the, the premise, it's, it's a sentence. Yeah. yeah, it really Hollywood it's, it's, is crazy. They have a crazy party with a lot of drugs, and everyone's naked. And then we get to see how movies are made. And, and, I, and they, I really that really and then they does, implemented the Hayes that, Code. That, that really does like you know sad Mila because I love Damien Chazelle's work, mm-hmm. and he's not someone who just rests on a logline. No. You know, he's someone who can actually make a complete whole story. Um, even, you know, some I don't, some I don't like. Well, only one I don't like, which is I mean, La La Land. But, you I know, go to hell. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love La La Land. I love La La Land. Oh, God. Not another white jazz savior it's, trope. It's, 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 Wait, it's, are you saying it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a pretty, it's a pretty turd. That's <laughs> what it is. They just made it better, right? They it's, 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 it's a pretty turd. But, uh, and so is this. I'm just going to say, Gene Krupa, Buddy Rich, whatever. Okay. <laughs> All white dudes. Oh, and drummers. I don't know why I'm on a drummer kick lately. Yeah, anyway, so it's more <laughs> about discussing who the characters are in this than it is about telling the plot per se. And yeah. when we start where it starts is really literally at a big Hollywood sort of orgy party. And we're talking the, like, you're not even five minutes in this film. You're like, I uh, guess this is Radar. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, this is him doing Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, just like right out of the gate, like holy shit. Yeah, it's just like ex- ex- incredible amounts of nudity and scatological like humor that's very graphic and like yeah, and drugs. Brad Pitt plays Jack Conrad, which is 
I forget. He's actually based on a real guy, but one of those people that you're like, I don't know who that uh, is. There's a little Douglas Fairbanks in there. You see, yeah. I thought and, I was thinking everybody in this movie I is was based thinking, on two or three people. I was thinking, uh, even though he's later generation, I was thinking Errol Flynn, or Ronald Coleman. Do guys you know like what I mean? apparently he was based on a guy named John Gilbert. Gilbert, yes, which was else. Garbo's. Uh, old flame yes uh, exactly yeah. uh who is just like at that point kind of one of the kings of hollywood he's an actor he's one of the i mean he's basically once again kind of playing that brad pitt level of cool he's just like everyone's like oh god here he is again and he's like it's all good it's all good right until like, he gets really really drunk and even then he can snap himself out of it just in a second when he wants to yeah, they, right? he's done this a lot and it harkens back <laughs> to the days where they were just Hollywood was a machine. It was a studio system that cranked out constant movies. And, mm -hmm. you know, even he says at one point, I've made 80 pictures. And you're like, this one guy in the period of like maybe 10 years, and they're shooting multiple films. They were all workhorses. You're talking about that films? second. Marvel's like, hold my beer. Oh, exactly, about, right. That first act <laughs> hold that my Chris purse. was talking about, which is sort of just setting up the party and where everybody meets. And then that next act it's is all the main characters. actually getting, we see all, all right, those you're characters getting ahead of your, You're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So then we have the party. Diego Calva is Manny Torres, who is a Mexican-American film assistant, who in the beginning is literally trying to get an elephant to this party up a massive hill in California. And it's you know, the first scatological <laughs> joke of many to come involved with elephant dung. I don't know. I thought it was kind of shitty. <laughs> that joke, I usually don't laugh at scatological jokes, and I laugh pretty fucking hard at that. I, I got to admit, I, I shamelessly laughed at that. Yeah. I didn't laugh as much as the other jokes as the guy next to me yeah did well, fair sorry about the guy next to you oh my god everyone heard him right all right so anyway so but he's there and he's like fascinated by hollywood he's like a spanish immigrant and he's like i really i want to be part of this but who's gonna let me in right i have this one job and they've given me enough kudos that i'm like invited to this party and i'm kind of like working for the head guy there played by flea weirdly. yeah well when flea tells you you can't be in hollywood then you just gotta also Kind of weird. He's an executive, and I know Flea is actually missing teeth, but they didn't give him like a like fake teeth for it. And I was like, that's was an odd choice. I didn't. Well, see, I didn't. I did that. notice I mean, that. Yeah. Clean, cleaning him up as much as they did was a task. Yeah, in and of it itself, was a task so. in and of itself. Yes. I mean, but so he's there, and he's kind of like the the Flea's like, dude, deal with this because there's like girl overdosing and all that stuff. You've got Gene Smart as Eleanor St. John, who's a journalist, a muck raking, raking yeah. journalist. But this is the point that she was part of the party yeah, still. Kind of Hopper, Luella yeah. Parsons we're in type the, character. In the late twenties, it was still about the party. It wasn't about taking down people who were partying. So right. it was exactly. like, okay, oh, yeah. yeah, we're all doing that. You have Lee Jun Lee as Lady Fei Zhu, who's a uh, a shantus who is apparently quite celebrated at this point, but who's also like openly a lesbian mm -hmm. and is like, you know, not not afraid of that at all. And everybody loves her there. Uh, but most importantly, as the party is really getting kicked off here, Margot Robbie shows up as Nellie Leroy, who is not a celebrity on any level except in her own brain. But of but course, she's a star. Of course, we aren't all of us though, Chris? Let's we, be real. No, we are not. We're right. all the leading men of our own. Movie. But, oh, I'm not. I'm but, a props master <laughs> of your own life story, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, she's geez. convinced that she's already a, a star. Just people haven't actually like realized it yet but they will she shows up in a stunning dress and a very revealing one at that and is like she's quite like, revealing the entire movie yeah, the yeah. bouncer is <laughs> like you can't come in i don't know who you are but yeah you know uh, manny sees her and goes 
Uh, okay, I think we should let this check in, which is a smart move for anybody who's monitoring this type of party. Like, did you see her? Yes, let her in. Like, what is she? That's Margot Robbie. And, <laughs> oh, sorry. And you know she's going to be nothing but trouble when right off the bat, she's like, where's the room with the drugs? And they do, in fact, have a room with nothing but piles of drugs. There's heroin, <laughs> there's cocaine, there's a... The, literally piles. But the party is just off... Like, to say off the hook doesn't cover it. It's insane and almost surreal. There were parties like this. I was honestly surprised there wasn't an Aleister Crowley uh, caricature there type character somewhere in there somewhere. Maybe towards the later half of the you film. you got to watch it again to point him out, but I don't know if you really want to do mean, that. I mean, every but. character in here should just come with, like, you know... is. Basically, their own Wikipedia entry. Yeah, because like I said, everybody in this movie is, feels like they're an amalgamation uh, of like yeah, multiple yeah. people of during multiple this period of time. Yeah. But I never really felt there was an Alistair Crowley part in here, which is felt weird because, especially the amount of influence from filmmaker writer Kenneth Anger, which is yeah. very strong here, <laughs> it seems shocking that there was not an Alistair Crowley straight sure. up character. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Kenneth Anger is definitely the right way to approach this because his Hollywood uh, Babylon series was just, it was just gossip, salacious gossip. And this movie is like, Damien Chazelle read all of that shit and said, you know what? Legally, I can't tell that story, but I can just make up a bunch of shit that sounds like it came out of that book. And mm-hmm. that, that's, that's it. It's like, this is not based on the stories of that book. It feels like other celebrities who didn't really exist, but are very similar to experiences that happened there. Yeah, they're all composites. That would have been in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, not, it's not a stretch to believe. It's like, oh, yeah, this must have happened to ton. There's such, like, a archetypes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Of, like, all these different people that, you know, we can discuss. But, like, I... You, you get exactly where they're coming from immediately. Uh, like, I think what the movie does very well is that at least it, it introduces the characters very well so you understand their motivations i just don't know if i really care about any but of but them. you see that's interesting because the what the set the the cost of like basing these you know making these people all composites is that as they don't end up being actual people right you know exactly. they're they're not they, they have each of the main characters here have some really great scenes at different points yeah but you're almost left with this sort of like emptiness because well, well yeah, good for them, but this isn't a real person. I don't, I don't really don't know two things about them other than you know just like traits. I know, the, I know she does drugs, but I'm you know, I'm not it's- sure that that wasn't intentional. To be fair, I, I kept thinking about that because I'm like, yeah. you're right. You guys are right. There's almost no way to emotionally connect with these characters because they are just so over the top, and the whole movie is so over the top. And there's all the emotional arcs are, I don't know. So based on their shallow misdeeds, there's never a point where you go, Oh yeah, that's a good person who deserves some sort of reward for despite the things they've done. But a person in general, like even like there's not, there's not even a villain here. No, I, well, I mean, they are their own villains. I don't think a movie needs a villain versus himself type of story. And one could even compare it to a rise and fall rock biopic or something just with many, many different characters in their own versions of that story. They all have their own version of the fall in, in here. I forgot to mention, by the way, uh, Jovanna Depo plays Sidney Palmer, mm-hmm. oh, who yeah. is a uh, jazz trumpet player that that's playing the initial party as well, who himself has his own arc through this thing, his rise and fall. But that's just it. Like, they all, after the party, sort of have their thing where, like, oh, now we're all sort of on our way <laughs> up. I mean, specifically, now Brad's already on the top, but Margot Robbie is like, she's spotted 
because the girl who overdosed is like, they're like, shit, we need somebody for the scene literally the next morning, like three hours from now. It's like her, get, get her to do it. And which is, you know, her dream. Diego Calva is very helpful during this whole circumstance. And they're like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to bring you on to do more stuff. And Brad Pitt's like, man, you're fucking great. You can be my assistant. He's on his way up. And Giovanna Depo is, you know, I mean, shit, you watch him playing the trumpet in here. You're like, well, he's playing at the yeah, party. He's yeah. kind of discovered at the party. Exactly. And that's one of yeah. the ways that, uh, the character of Manny gets ahead because they're working on a musical and he says, you know, you guys are the star. He's pointing the camera. You, he, he's a talent spotter. He's a talent spotter and he has a certain amount of respect from other characters based on yeah. like that, him being helpful at the party. So everybody is sort of intertwined in a way, mm-hmm. one, one level or another. And there's a, he's the character who feels the most, uh, not not guilt, but he feels the most like he owes everybody something, even though his arc is probably the most like skyrocketing to success. Uh, yeah, it's more like well, he, he definitely tries the entire time, but I I got sort of glimpses as like how to succeed in business without really yeah. trying. Yeah, yeah. Just like he goes from just a dude at the party helping out Flea, which you know that's probably happened, and uh, but then all the way to like a studio executive. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but I mean, you again, if you listen to, if you read the the history of Hollywood, you there's crazier things have happened. You know? And there's tons of guest stars in this film just for appearances. Like we already mentioned Flea, but Lucas Haas plays mm. Brad Pitt's best friend, who's pre- almost unrecognizable. I, I didn't recognize him at first. He's like he's this. gained a lot of weight. Yeah, he's yeah. like a producer. He was like a wasn't like a Selznick, like precursor to Selznick or anything, but he was like a super producer at one point. Wasn't oh, he? and Spike Jones, Spike as a Jones. director. Jones. Uh, one of the only actual real people here in the film, uh, Ivan. Irving Thalberg Irving is yeah. played by Max Minghella, who only has a couple of appearances here. Uh, Spike Jones, you said Catherine Watterson is one of Brad Pitt's wives during the length <laughs> mm-hmm. of Olivia Wilde in a really great oh, no. scene. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, that was her. You know, yeah. the, the weirdest part, though, for me was the Samara Weaving playing right. a role opposite um, uh, her doppelganger. <laughs> and you're just like, because we all do all the time. Okay, guys, they're the same person. Yeah. Right? Are they the Actually, same person? It's like we we're having cousins. a parent trap moment for a little while. Because they're both Australian. Okay, but, but uh, yes, because everybody from Australia. Well, no, is but like, because, you know, Samara Weaving is, is Hugo Weaving's like niece or something like yeah. that. But I think they're like cousins and stuff. Okay, way. well, I mean, I can tell you, they look so similar, and yeah. everybody's always said that, that it's kind of startling, but this is the first but, time seeing them actually together in scenes, and, and I'm they like... they look oddly different. I know, it's like, that's gotta well, be well, I think it was weaving, the, the, but, the brunette that they gave, uh, the brunette wig that they gave. But it's uh, also, yeah. it's also indicative of yeah. how Hollywood treats actresses, because when we meet Samara Weaving's character, she's the star, and mm-hmm. Margot Robbie is just this little bit part who suddenly takes over the whole scene, and before long, they are literally trading her up for a no- the new model. Uh, and then you have Ethan Suppley in a hysterical part <laughs> where the movie literally for 15 minutes turns into like sort of Mulholland Drive fight club. Yeah, uh, kind of. It turns <laughs> into the uh, Alfred Molina scene in Boogie Nights. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, but like I said, more filtered through David Lynch than through sure, uh, yeah. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. It's for just sure. so fucking strange. Jeff Garland, PJ Byrne, Rory Scovel, um, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts, because he's still around. And I didn't even notice Patrick Fugit playing like one of I the cops. I didn't either. Wait, he was in this? Yeah, yes. In this well, well. Why don't we just read the whole cast? Of Wait, well, let's talk about the one. Like, <laughs> that, because that's it. 
that pops up. Do we want to talk about that at all? Oh, yeah. Now, so there is, and this is like top of the third act, but again, there's not really a plot. Really it's really hard to say spo- spoilers, but so we're not going to go into really what he's going there, but it's sort of like a weird gangster guy is Toby Maguire with like really weird pockmarked sallow looking face and like Yellow, yellow teeth, teeth and like yeah. red bags under his eyes. Like oh, he, he looks like a vampire that hasn't had blood in a long time. The, the fact that he has to, <laughs> yeah, he has per- to whiten up uh, before he goes out because he look he knows he looks like shit. Yeah, it's like oh my god, that is haunting. I mean he he's he's Frank and. He's Frank from Blue Velvet, basically. Kind of. You know, kind of. He's like a nerdy Frank I mean, imagine, instead of a imagine like, emo, over-aggressive Frank. Yeah. He's imagine like Frank. emo Spider-Man is Frank. He, yeah. He's emo Spider-Man Frank. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. This is a very excessive movie, both in fucking running time, because it's like three hours. Uh, I was about to uh, say, it's like it's eight hours long. And just like in like everything you see on the screen, because it is a hard R but, film. But damn, if it doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't drag. No, like it's I never mean, once boring. I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't think I would I, definitely argue there, it's there, boring. There are points when it's, it tries to get more, when it tries to pretend like <laughs> we have an emotional connection to these characters in the third yeah. act. I kind of was like, oh my god, Jesus, we're fucking like, I don't. See, I Let's think that there's on. always something that's, um, and a lot of it did not work for me, but there's always something to latch onto in every scene. That, uh, you know, like, uh, this is a three hour movie. I had to go pee in the middle of it. And I was like, trying to, find, <laughs> when can I go pee? Like, yeah. There's but that's a- the same thing. At the same time, it doesn't matter when you go pee. It's like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in that sense. I where think- you're like, it's all kind of fun in its own way, and it's all batshit insane. But and no plot one scene really matters. Right. It's I think, just like... And I think for, I, I think I, I kind of agree with you only because of the whole, like, the fact we're not watching people. And I think the fact that we're, that we're watching caricatures, not even characters, caricatures, um, that... That really, that really only works when it's really heightened and excessive and, you know, this hedonistic, like, um, he, he just basically just, it, it's, he just goes crazy. I, I, but but, but, but I, then when it, it does kind of fall apart when it goes to something like really not serious, but earnest. Like there's this scene when Margot Robbie's trying to get this, this scene that her, of a movie that her character is in and it's take after take and, and everyone's struggling. There's another really great scene where Brad Pitt and Gene Smart have where they're really, where she's breaking down the fact of their place within the industry and how n- none of it really matters essentially. Um, th- and I think, and those are great scenes because Giselle is great at writing scenes. He's great at writing dialogue, but those feel so hollow because yeah. these aren't real people that are, that, that, that are, but again, saying these words. it feels like little, it feels like little sketch comedy bits at points. And I think that's, and those scenes work because they are so funny and kind of clever and have insight into like Hollywood and, and a cynical insight. Mm-hmm. But it's when it tries to like go like, okay, well, I guess we got to tell a story is where it kind of stumbles at and points. It never tells a story. I mean, like, it, you can almost take Brad Pitt out of this whole movie and it's the same movie. Frank, there are multiple characters you can take out of this movie. But but, to say that about the Brad Pitt character, you could take anyone out of this movie except for uh, Manny and uh, and and Robbie's character Nelly, and you'd still have more or less the same. It's it's really about a movie, though. If you look at the way it's structured, it's a movie about set pieces. The set pieces are doing the heavy lifting in terms of the thematic work. Yeah, you have the the big party. Hollywood's fun. It's 
Everything, you know, all every anything you want to do is permitted here. You have the lucky break. Then you go move into the when we're actually making silent movies and kind of the fun, crazy, wild west aspect of it. People get hurt along the way and yeah, you know, nobody fucking cares. Because it's silent, they're literally forming like filming like five movies exactly. at the same time back mm-hmm. yeah, to back. Yeah. You but know, then, like on uh, not even back to back in time. Yeah. I mean sets back to back filming right. yeah, at the same simultaneously. Time. <laughs> and then you've got the section where they're like, Okay, sound comes in, and now the characters have been in the industry a little while and their careers are starting to decline, and that's the last big chunk where how do we remake ourselves in this industry? with this bizarre detour into, like, the literal underworld of Los Angeles. The Great asshole. set pieces. The asshole of Los Angeles, yeah. Marco. Get it right. Great. The uh, asshole of Los Angeles. I know, Frank, I sometimes I don't want to say things because I wanted the audit. I want people to discover that in the when watching the movie. I not based, not based on this review. I thought the asshole of Los Angeles was Tobey Maguire. Oh. <laughs> oh. At Come least on. for a while. At least for a while. For okay, a while. yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's better now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that—that's ultimately it. You can look at the structure of it and go, okay, I see what this scene's this. This is a greatly directed set piece. The set pieces just move. They're memorable. They're fun. They are. The camera never stops. It's eye popping visual after eye popping visual. But as to Frank's point, although the actors are doing a great job, and sometimes they're given great scenes to play. More often than not, they are archetypes who are just moving within these set pieces, and we understand what each set piece is about. But to Chris's point, you don't have that same emotional connection to them. And I do want to give full call out to everybody, uh, pretty much everybody here, giving an (laughs) enormous amount of energy, especially Margot Robbie, Uh who, if she got nominated... I would be like, yeah, because despite the fact you're not emotionally connecting, it's a wildly fearless performance. Yeah, yeah. It is just very intense to watch her in this film. I mean, much more so than even Wolf of Wall Street, where you're like, wow, you went for it. You're more like, you're doing Leo DiCaprio's role in Wolf of Wall Street. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? that's right. But yeah, also exactly. getting to use your Harley Quinn voice. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've seen her in a lot of movies now, and that's just her voice. That's just her American voice. <laughs> she, yeah, just, yeah. she can do uh, a new jersey new york accent better than anyone out there yeah and she so she's from australia but it seems like her only take on the american accent is new jersey as near as i can tell it sounds like i mean really do you need to go anywhere else in america to get the whole experience you just go to jersey and go yep i've seen it all (laughs) she's like i got an accent it's fine i can be american from what i hear about her like in like off camera she's pretty much uh cool chick but she's pretty much a new jersey type gal Oh, well, I'm, I'm good with that. I yeah. know a lot of cool New Jersey gals. Yeah. yeah. Although, what's the old joke? The only good thing I saw coming out of New Jersey was an empty Greyhound bus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go to final thoughts. Right. Why don't you get us started? Tone. Tone. This movie, oh, its I tone it is all over the I, fucking place. You're getting a tone look stonks song in my head. <laughs> I was like, oh, sweet. I love that song. <laughs> uh, that and... um. The the acting and well I mean sorry not the acting but the the characters uh, you just don't connect with them and it's it sucks because I love Damien Chazelle I Whiplash is one of my all time faves yeah it's amazing La La Land is probably one of the greatest movies of all time uh, <laughs> you and, just said that to piss off Frank yeah well, he no did. I'm only he saying did. that to piss off Frank and it's true and uh, <laughs> um and 
First Man was good. It was really, really man, good. First, now, that's the thing I will stand for and go like, people, most people shit on First Man. I'm like, it you is. stop paying attention at a certain point. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That film is about heroism in its most pure form. I and, love and that. Yeah. Subtle and very, it's, yeah, it's a very restrained film, but yeah. it is like, I mean, you have to go, look what this is actually about. He's yeah. good. He's good at intimacy. He's good at the intimate moments, the human he is. moments. Is that what we're I, all looking for? Someone who's just good with intimacy. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I thought I was at my therapist. <laughs> See, what, I, what I miss about Swipe left, those, ladies. <laughs> what I miss about those other films, uh, what he does so well, is that he writes really great characters, but he writes like two, basically two or three characters that are super strong. He's like, how about five? And uh, it's all over the place and you don't care about anyone. There are some stories that just kind of fall off the map. He directs the shit out of this still. Like, the blocking in the film is just as good as it ever was. And, like, it reminded me a lot of La La Land uh, uh, quite a bit with, like, how spastic and how uh, he is basically just jerking off while he's watching Scorsese movies. <laughs> and uh, and it, it when I get to see his movies, it reinvigorates me with, like, filming like, it, just, like, the film technique that he utilizes, because it's so much fun, because he just loves to get right in there. He does all these moving shots, like, it's so kinetic, where I kind of miss that with, like, Paul Thomas Anderson, like, why don't you go back to, like, Boogie Nights and Magnolia Days? Nah, I think <laughs> I'll just make a movie about people sewing. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm just going to make a movie about <laughs> That is a great movie, Chris. Nah, I know boring. you hated it. It's boring as hell. I watch that every here's, New Year's. Here's the problem. This is, is that, why we're not spending New Year's with Frank, right? <laughs> here's the problem with this, is that Damon Giselle, he's doing this really bombastic, crazy movie, but without characters that are interesting, and it ultimately becomes oddly boring. Yeah. And totally. I don't I don't think I ever really want to watch this movie again, uh, which is really unfortunate because I think by far this is his worst movie. Uh mm. but then he's only done four, so you know, oops. Uh but it's still like better than others, I guess. Uh but compared to his other movies and just I think you really just missed the mark on writing these characters. It's just, it's so unfortunate because you could see, it's almost like bad ecstasies. Like you could see it almost peaking and then it just never does. And you're just like, God damn it. Like I want to see Manny's character really just fucking nail home. Margot, Margot Robbie's character, Brad Pitt's character. Definitely the, the, the guy who plays the trumpet. Uh, like his character is almost like written off in a lot of ways. And, uh, I want to see Brad Pitt's character punk, punch out Douglas Fairbanks. <laughs> so I'm in the Once end. Once upon another time in Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> this uh, is actually a, a stealth prequel to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, uh, I, I do enjoy that it is, it is a very punk rock version in a way of the Hollywood film about making movies. Uh, but I think it misses the mark in a lot of different ways. Uh, I still oddly enjoyed it. I didn't think it was funny, near as funny as probably the rest of you guys, but, uh, I'm gonna give it, uh, ooh, six and a half out of ten, uh, elephant dumps. <laughs> uh, Frank. <laughs> Is everyone right back at that scene right now? Dude. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. Like, I looked over and Wright was in the middle of, like, a mouthful of food he ordered. And I was yeah. like, how's that chicken tasting, right? right? I'm <laughs> just glad I did not order the chili dog. Yeah. I am so glad I finished my nachos before that, just before that scene happened. <laughs> I was like, yes. Uh, yeah, I think that um, the energy that Giselle brings to this is undeniable. 
he's this is he's you feel his passion you feel his enthusiasm and you feel everyone else like jump on that that same train with him um but it's you know it comes up short and it comes up short mainly because we're not looking at real people we're looking at ideas we're looking at themes and you know barely even that we get right down to it i think um, this did remind me of La La Land a bit, and I, I already said I don't like La La Land. I think it's 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 a pretty turd. Um, oh, so you're the the asshole? Uh, I'm the, I'm I'm the truth teller, <laughs> right? That's well, that's who I am. Uh, but it does remind me of La La Land in the sense that you know Chazelle, I felt like was really really just so in love with uh, a specific genre that he just had to you know, just do it to death and just do it and do it and do it until there's nothing left, you know, um, but to just for it to just combust on the screen, which is what this kind of does. Well, like elephant. Uh, <laughs> but where he does succeed is where he always succeeds with like the quieter scenes with like people talking um, with good dialogue. He's always been good at that. He's always going yeah. to be good at that. This just is not the right avenue for him to do it. Um I'm just going to close my final thoughts by saying um, I was reminded of a quote from a Robert Altman movie called Ready to Wear. Um, where, oh, I haven't thought about that one for a while. All right, yeah. Well, uh, there's a journalist in there played by Kim Basinger, and um, she's um, reporting on uh, some of the events taking place in the movie. And I'm going to paraphrase that uh, a line she has in reference to uh, this film. When she uh, she says um, there will be great great lapses in taste, but there will also be true moments of actual beauty, mm-hmm. and um, um, I kind of feel that with this, as much as um, as much as uh, you know, it doesn't work. Some of it actually does. So, what's your rating, Frank? My rating is going to be five out of ten. What the fuck accents was Gene Smart trying in this movie? <laughs> I thought every, it was okay. Every time she opened her mouth, like, what country are you from now? Uh, yeah. I think it was like, ten different accents, actually. Yeah. yeah I, I will say there is definitely, amongst all the other influences, a lot of Altman influence here, too. Especially yeah, yeah. the player, yeah. but not just the player. Like, it's there as well. Like, whatever you're looking for here that might have influenced Damon Chazelle to make this film. <laughs> it's there's probably at least one scene where he's like, "Yeah, here it is." Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Marco. I mean, I appreciate what he's trying to do here in recreating the silent film era, an era that most people kind of have overlooked or forgotten, and much of which is lost. And we think of it as old times and your great great grandparents. How bad could they be? But back in the twenties, <laughs> people did all kinds of crazy shit. They party just as bad. They oh, did I just remember. as many drugs. Yeah, you know, remember back in the day? Oh, man, remember when we just did coke and listened to Bix Biderbeck Oh, records? yeah, you I were mean, just a oh, kid man, back then. I know, you know, but I, I still... I felt so guilty. I was like, I'm corrupting the youth. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you should have never given me that first sip of ether. Uh, but then, you know... <laughs> Dude, that was expensive ether. <laughs> I know, and I appreciated it. Uh I'm going to build an entire uh, city of Babylon just in your honor uh, for getting me high for the first time. But no, it it is based loosely on Hollywood Babylon. And that was, of course, based on the Douglas Griffin, uh, the D.W. Griffith monstrosity, obscenity. People forget how fucking huge these movies were, how innovative they were. You see quaint little old silent films and forget how sophisticated, how lurid, how wild, how imaginative they could be. So, yes, I love getting to see that again 
but he's trying to put that same level of bombast into the film itself, and it occasionally overwhelms the sketchily drawn characters that he's created, many of mm -hmm. whom are are really interesting. He just has too many, and so they don't get enough screen time, and that's too bad. This would have much been better served as a miniseries or or a four hour long movie where we get to see more of those characters. Sure. You know, I like a character who's some part and a Anna Wong with a little bit of Marlena Dietrich, but then she disappears from the movie. Other characters just disappear and literally disappear. And that's too bad because the character who, the actor who plays Manny, mm. I mean, he's fantastic yes. in this. Never yeah. seen the guy before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful in it. He's kind of a weak protagonist because by the end, as Chris said earlier, by the time we're supposed to emotionally invest in the relationships, the work hasn't been done to get us there. Nope. Maybe those scenes were left on the cutting yeah. room floor or, you know, maybe maybe it just needed another polish. But God, this is directed well. It's gorgeous to look at. Camera work is great. And there's definitely going to be getting it's definitely going to get some kind of uh, nominations. So I'm <laughs> glad I saw it, and score. I'm going to get to the score. No, no, sorry. But I mean, I mean the the musical score. The score is anachronistic, but I understand why. This is a movie that I want to talk about a lot, but I can't anymore. So I'm just gonna say I will give it a rating of eight out of ten bags of prop money. So <clears throat> we are all largely on the same page, but I will say that me getting there is a little different than you guys because I feel like the mistake here wasn't spending more, wasn't not spending more time with the characters as characters. It's that it spends too much time. 90% of the film, it doesn't give a shit about them as characters. They are these uh, amalgams. They are these like ciphers. Colors, ciphers. They're supposed to just stand for these generalized people at that period of time. And it works when they're like that. The movie only works when they're more like, this is just fun. This is just crazy. Mm. I feel like when it felt like it had to go down, I mean, the film has to go down a darker path at some point, but I feel like when it tries to get intimate with them is when it falters and feels uncomfortable and like, wait, this isn't the movie I was watching and enjoying before this. I feel like it needed a little more Mel Brooks blazing saddles <laughs> to it. A little more stand from the outside and go like, look, yes, I can say all the same things I've been saying, but I don't need to try and give you like this kind of schmaltzy drama in the middle of it. It can go from tone to tone and tone as long as it's not trying to pretend that we or he cares about these people. Sure. And that's yeah. where it falters is not that it's doing it. It's that it's not that it's not doing it enough. It's that it's doing it at all mm. uh, because as an art film, this is a fascinating little piece or long as little piece, piece. <laughs> over three hour piece. <laughs> It really is. You've never really seen anything like it. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is not like what you expect from the Oscar baitishness of the Fable, Fablemans or Empire of Light or what have you. This is somebody who really wants to make something that is kind of transgressive. And it feels like somewhere in the process of that production, people stepped in uh, and said, no, 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 no. You got to like add some of this stuff to it. And that was the biggest mistake. This shouldn't have been an Oscar time film. This should have been like a like a March film that they're like, yeah, this is a crazy yeah. festival yeah. period film that people are going to fall in love with and will get like Indie Spirit Awards. But yeah. this is not a this is not an Oscar time film. But he wanted to make an epic. Yeah. And, and he wanted to make an epic. It it's I think it's going to bomb. 
I, I, you know, I think it's going to have a very strong first weekend and then people will, will go, shit, that people will hate it. There are people who will walk out in the first 10 minutes of this film. I guarantee yeah. it. Like a lot of people will yeah. walk out in the first 10 minutes of this film. A lot more people walk out in the first 30 minutes of this film. But the people that stay, half of them are going to go like, it was fine. And the other half are going to go, wow, this is a cult classic. Yeah. A- and I think that's it. I think that's what he, I think he's more interested in those cult classic people. And that because of the money involved, because of the stars involved, he's kind of compromised. And maybe that also is kind of like the message of the film <laughs> here. Because ultimately he's like, all of the shit, all this terrible shit that happens in Hollywood that still happens, but just because in the film it goes from like oh, out in the open, just like just who gives a fuck to like, oh, now we have this false morality. He's certainly not. I don't feel like ever making a statement about today's morality of film, you know, saying like, yes, no. you shouldn't sexually abuse people. He's saying it was still going on. We just acted like it wasn't yeah. and acted like, oh, it's important. Pretend like you're pure. I mean. He's saying smart, interesting things and making it fun. It's the characters that make it ultimately not fun here or the exploration of the characters. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give this, you know what? I'm only going to give it a seven, but I do, unlike right, want to watch this again because this is the movie that I feel like you need to take breaks watching. <laughs> There's going to be parties. There's going to be tricky parties to this it, film. It's a lot. It'll it's be a like lot. an eight hour film at that point. <laughs> it's a lot to absorb this movie. And I feel like I would be, I would have a much easier time absorbing it with like, I'm going to watch an hour, then another hour. Then another hour, and then another know. hour, and another yeah, hour. Know. Yeah, the mini series follow up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> director's anyway. cut. Yeah, I, I'm gonna give it uh, eight out of ten. Just amazing eight. dresses that Margot Robbie wears. Eight in or this seven? Movie. Oh, eight. sorry, seven. Sorry, yeah, seven. Yes, seven. See, he's already talking well, himself into liking it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ten out of ten. Well, the moment I started thinking about her dresses, I started liking it more. I was oh, like, those okay. were some fantastic. Look, dresses. it's his old. He's age. got two he thumbs up and some other appendage that's sticky. I don't know. I'm gay. I thought they were just okay dresses. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, no. of course they were also. There was a certain amount of like it's not really about the quality of the dress. Oh, okay, well, that, how little there is. That's of it. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>